You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at banner.church. Awesome. What a good morning. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I uh, was really excited in the last service, and so my notes are also quite excited. So two seconds, and we're back. All right. Cool. Well, hey, uh, I want to introduce uh, someone to who's going to share briefly this morning and really testify to what God's doing. And um, it's part of a larger thing that God has really been doing in this church. And I just, I love when we celebrate together. So I want to introduce to you um, a friend of mine, Scott Shepard, who's a part of our church, and he's going to share a little bit. Can we welcome him up this morning? Good morning. Wow. You know, I really love good-looking and smart people, and I see a whole church full of good-looking and smart people. Like you said, my name is uh, Scott Shepard. My name's actually Scott Patrick Shepard. My friends call me Scotty P. That'll make sense uh, in the future. Um, it'll make a lot of sense in the future. I've been a part of the Assemblies of God since 1975. My parents had, were struggling, and my aunt and uncle found a small church in, in Tucson, Victory Assembly of God. I love this church. Jesus was my first love as a kid. Because when I was born, I had a traumatic brain injury from the birthing experience. In medical terms, or in layman's terms, was, was a stroke. A right-sided CBA with left-sided weakness. My, I'm wearing shorts. I did this on purpose. I didn't um, do it in the first service. You can see my legs are two different sizes. When you have nerve damage... When you have a stroke, a stroke is basically an earthquake in your brain. Your brain separates. I've had a very challenging life. If it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here. One of the things that I didn't share in, in first service, I was also sexually, mentally, and physically abused from the time I was six months old, I believe, to the time I was 17. I found the church. I was abandoned by my own family emotionally at the age of nine. I left the church in 1993 because I came out of the closet. And I, I'll close really quickly. Um, and in 2012, I lost my husband to cancer. Then I had brain surgery. Then I lost five other family members. I was lost. Through a series of events, I came back to the church and... In um, this past this past January, with the 21 days of fasting, I fasted alcohol because my neurologist prescribed it to me in 2005 when I became an alcoholic. Every single day that I gave up the alcohol, something happened. You can ask Josh. Every single day. And I think it's amazing because Josh and Katie now are adopting Henry, and, and they're going through, they're learning about trauma. So... I'm supposed to be here. I'm your long-lost cousin. I've known the Medcast since 1988. You guys, God healed me physically. God healed me physically on February 12th, right before midnight. But more than that, he restored my heart. If you've ever, 
if you've ever had any pain in your life, and I've had a lot, I, I have a billion dollars worth of pain. If you've ever had any pain, I'm going to be sharing my testimony in detail, in segments, of course, because there's so much. If you've ever had any pain, come next week. I'm going to share with you how I've forgiven my abusers and show you what Jesus can do. He shed his blood for you so he can take your broken heart and give you his pure heart. Awesome. Awesome. I love my brother Scott. I think when we were talking this morning, you know, everybody's got a story and is on that journey. You know, and at Banner, I just want to really encourage you that we care about your story and we care about your journey. And and uh, I think, you know, we, Scott and I, we sit and we have good conversations. We have hard conversations. We have disagreements. <laughs> Uh, and we have agreements, and I, I just love that journey together. And so um, I just want to really celebrate that God has been moving in this church. And by in this church, I mean in the lives of the people that are the church. And I think that's so great. And so it's been amazing to hear and to see and to be a part of just the physical healing. I know you didn't show it here, but you were talking in the first service about you couldn't even use your left hand. And the other week, Jamin gave a message about the man with the withered hand and reaching out. And you were like, man, I got to share this week because that's not figuratively me. That's literally me. Like I literally had the withered hand and I reached out and God healed it. So it's amazing. Like this is the time of revival for us as a church uh, and for our people. And so we just celebrate what God's doing. Amazing. Uh, I like you shared, Scott, about the heart because I think it's important. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to ask kind of one question for the whole sermon. And it's this, how is your heart? Uh, when you came in, you should have got some notes, and I think one of the best ways to respond to what you hear, you're hearing and processing is to take notes. You should have got a little sheet when you came in. And if you do like to take notes, I just want you to write that question, and you can write it for yourself. Write down, how is my heart? And we're going to talk together this morning about that. When I moved down to Arizona, um, I was trying to find something that would be like an outlet for my, you know, for my energy as a person. I, uh, you know, it was a crazy season. My daughter, you know, we just moved, my, my wife and my daughter, and my daughter was a little more unhappy than my wife because she was processing leaving everything she knew for a totally new place. And so her unhappiness, um, bless her heart, meant our unhappiness. Uh, but we were, you know, kind of working, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to start gardening. And when you're a kid, they call it playing with dirt. When you're an adult, they call it gardening. It's much more sophisticated. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it, it sounds nicer. So I was like, I'm going to start a garden. And I'll tell you, if you want to learn a lot about life, uh, start a garden. It will teach you a lot. It will also show you how much control you actually have over what's around you. Uh, but it, you'll learn a lot about life. And so I started this garden, and I'm like, okay, I got to get all the usual. And it's a little different here because I was starting from scratch versus Washington. I just kind of picked an area of dirt, and I was like, there, there's the garden. It's already wet. Alas, here is the seed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to build out some boxes, and I, I got my formula. So if we were going to build a garden together, what would be the sum of the things that we would need? Just shout it out. Dirt. Okay, good. Sun. Okay, not everybody at once. Slow down. This is too much. Ready? Water. Water. Okay, good. Awesome. Perfect. You guys got it. Seeds. Good, good, good. We got there. So this, that's what I did. I got some uh, some wood, and I built these boxes, and I filled them with dirt, 
and I planted the seed, and I watered the seed, and then I was like waited, and then stuff kind of started to grow. I was like, oh, this is cool. Some stuff is, you know, kind of growing up, and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know what to expect. I'm still learning a little bit about, you know, what the seasons are here because it's the opposite of where I'm from. When we would normally grow things, here the sun kills everything that loves. And, and so, uh, you know, I learned. But in the moment, things would grow up, and they would get about this tall, and then they would die. Or they would get about this tall, and they would stay. Or they would kind of just come up in the ground, and nothing would really happen. And so, um, it was kind of a unique season because I'm trying to grow a church and grow a garden. And I'm in this, like, tension of growth. And I'm like, okay, this garden will succeed. <laughs> like, this is happening. And so I take photos, and I'm posting them online trying to find out the answer. And, you know, social media, it's a terrible master, but it's a good tool. And so I was, I was looking up some people who garden in Tempe. Because where I live in Tempe, there's a lot of people who are big on water conservation and gardening. And so there's kind of a community of people that do that. And so I was posting, I'm like, please help me. I don't know anything. What is going on? And uh, some people had all kinds of different ideas about, well, you know, why it doesn't grow and this and this. Oh, you don't have the right plants. You don't have this. So I went online and I found this organic catalog. And I got these seeds shipped to me. And they were, like, special. And they cost way more than they should have. But they were awesome. And so I planted them in the dirt. And I waited. And things grew up a little bit like this. And then they would die or just stay. And I was like, okay, this is frustrating. So then I found this person who's a gardener. She's a gardener in uh, Mesa. And I was like, hey, can you help me? I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, I'm totally lost. I've gardened before, but I'm just out of my element. She said, yeah, I work at this nursery. Come by. Bring some photos of your garden. And, uh, you know, then we can, we can kind of figure it out. I said, okay. So I took my photos over to the garden, and she takes my phone because I'm like, here's my photos. And, you know, I only have good stuff on my phone, so I'm not worried about her swiping around. And I hand her the phone, and she goes, like, zooms in on the photo. And she's not looking at the plant. I'm like, that's kind of weird because, you know, the plant, the plant is not, it's a plant. And she looks, and she goes, oh, you have dirt. I'm like, wow, I found the smartest person on Instagram. <laughs> She says, you have dirt, but you need soil. And because, you know, I'm a confident person, I just thought I would roll with it and pretend like I knew what she was talking about. But I didn't because if you're like me, you're like dirt and soil are the same thing. They're dirt. Like you get dirty, you don't get soily, right? <laughs> like it's dirt. it's dirt. I'm from Washington. Dirt is dirt. And, and she's like, no, no, you have dirt, but you need soil. And so um, I like to take things to their most illogical extreme when it comes to research. And so I've been on this... Um, year and a half journey to really understand soil, which my wife is grinning, you can't see this, but trust me, uh, books, resources, videos, everything about soil, and the big difference between soil and dirt is that soil is alive. See, soil, um, if you were to see a picture, it is, is richer and darker, it has worms, fungi, insects, bacteria, organic matter, all the things that we pay a lot of money to burn out of our soil are actually the things that keep it living, in case you didn't know that. All of these things create a living organism. It could be sandy, it could be silty, it could be have a little more clay, but it's alive. Dirt, on the other hand, is just a rocky collection of different pieces of the earth altogether. It's neither living, it doesn't have organic matter in it, it's not really doing anything. And so the reality is if you want to plant something in a garden in creation, it has to be planted into something that is living. From life comes life, right, in, in a garden. So the seed is the only thing that has to fall and die. 
But in a garden, you have to plant a seed into something's living. So what I did is I, I took my dirt and I had three beds. I actually have four or five now because, again, a logical extreme. Uh, four or five now. And I, two of them I left as they were, just native dirt. And then one of them I conditioned. And how you condition soil is you take a lot of manure and you take a lot of organic material and you take compost and you take, you know, you know, like broken down leaves, vegetables, all that stuff, right? And you mix it in and you nourish it and you make it healthy, you make it living. It creates a biome in the soil. And so then it doesn't really matter what you plant and it, something will grow. Like we, have, we are to the point in this one garden that we've like conditioned the soil. I say we. I'm, so, I'm not dragging you into this. I'm sorry, babe. Uh, <laughs> that I've dug through the dirt for the past year. Uh, <laughs> they Literally, a tomato will fall off of a tomato plant, land in the dirt, and then eventually will just grow another tomato plant because the soil is so healthy. Now, in the other one, you could put like a tree in it and it wouldn't live because it's not soil, it's dirt. And the thing that, that, you, that you learn as you garden or grow or farm is that the condition of the soil will determine the quantity and the quality of the harvest. So if you have good soil, you have a good harvest. If you have bad soil, you have a, guess what, a bad harvest, right? In your life, the same thing is true. The condition of your heart will determine the quantity and quality of your harvest in the kingdom of God. It's not your last name. See, there's all these qualifiers we have from the world. But it's not your last name. And the kingdom of God is not your last name. It's not your education. It's not your wealth. It's not your race. It's not your relationship status. The harvest of godly fruit in your life is determined by, your, by the condition of the soil that the seed is planted in. Which is basically saying your heart determines your harvest. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down so you remember. So when you're questioning the seed, when you're questioning the seasons, when you're questioning the rain, what you really need to be telling yourself is my heart determines my harvest. So let me go back to the question I asked from the beginning. How's your heart? Because God cares about your heart. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you. For your word, God, as we open up the, the Bible today, as we look at Mark chapter 4, God, I pray you would begin to speak to us, that you would open our hearts, God, that you would change something within us, that we would receive something complete and full and free. We reject the biases of our personality, and we receive the truth of our scripture, and we stand on it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, great, if you brought your Bible, would you do me a favor, would you open up to Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, the words are going to be up on the screen. And uh, the words there and here, I'm reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. You might have a different one, but uh, it's the same scripture, so follow along. But Mark chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. And he, meaning Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. 
And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell onto good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus loves to teach in parables. And if you've read any of the Gospels, you might have kind of noticed this trend that Jesus loved. And he loved to teach in parables. And so this is the parable of the sower. But for our sake, based off of really what he's talking about, it's really the parable of the soil. And so there's four different kinds of soil that are mentioned with different results. And so Jesus gives this parable, and then we kind of get in the narrative this sandwiched kind of cut aside, because not everything that happens is chronological. Sometimes it's to continue the idea in expressing what's happening. So this is part of a collection of parables that are being taught. But we get this kind of cutaway in verse 10. Are you still with me? Okay. Half of you. We get this cutaway in verse 10 where he's going to explain. So here's what he explains, verse 10. And when he, meaning Jesus, was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. For those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And immediately you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense, right? Oh, no, just me? Cool, so just the pastor that didn't make sense to Cool, awesome, cool. Not You're not alone, Josh. The other people are with you. Trust me, just keep going. No, that, that doesn't make sense when you read that. Like, if you know anything about Jesus, even if you've never been to church, you're like, I thought forgiveness was, was a thing that y'all do here. I thought that was one of his kind of things. And it is. So it makes that kind of weird. Have you ever read something in Scripture and you're immediately like, why? <laughs> right? And, like, you could Google it, but you're going to get, like, 12 different answers, and it's all going to be confusing. And so we kind of in that moment, and so in, this is kind of an interesting moment because of how Scripture is constantly translated that we can, based off of how we understand things, understand it differently. Because the Greek word here, hina, see verse 12 says, so that. It says, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that. See, we take that to mean so that as if there is an intent here to deceive people. But that word so that doesn't mean so that with an intent. It means as a result. So what he's saying, it's, it's so that this is going to show the condition of someone's heart. See, parables show the condition of a heart. There's a, there's a great kind of proverb. It says, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Follow me. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. The same word and parable that is spoken will either bring direction or confusion based upon who's hearing it and the condition of their heart. So that's why the Pharisees heard like every parable. They were always there, and yet they didn't get any of it. Was Jesus like, yeah, I hope they go to hell? No. It was because the condition of their heart was predisposed to say, yeah, well, I know everything because I'm so smart and I know everything in the whole world and therefore Jesus isn't real. And so there was a predisposition here. So Jesus is not saying like, yeah, some are going to be forgiven. I'm trying to see people. Mark, it just loves tension. And I like that. 
Mark is like okay with there being tension between the fact that God is infinitely divine and knows what's happening in the world and tension between that and our human will where we're given a choice. See, love cannot be coerced. Love cannot be forced. You have to choose. Love cannot even be commanded. You have to choose. So he's saying, listen, there are those who are going to choose and those who are not going to choose because if their heart was ready and they chose, they'd be forgiven. But because they're going to not choose, they will not be forgiven. So those who stand in opposition, they're missing one thing. It's the key. See, every parable has a key. The parables really kind of only make sense if you have the key. And so the key to this parable is basically what the sower sows. And it's in this verse, Mark 14 says, the sower sows the word. Someone say the word. The word. The sower sows the word. Let's read uh, Mark 4. Let's, let's go to 13, verse 13. He says, and he, meaning Jesus, said to them, do you not understand this parable? Well, they're like, of course we don't. <laughs> How then will you understand all parables? And I'm thinking, like, great, we're screwed. <laughs> he says, no, the sower sows the word. Okay, this is important. What is the word? He's about to mention it like eight times. The word, the word, the word, the word. He's only rivaled by one other gospel writer in writing the word, and that's John. The very first chapter of John it goes like this, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, when they were speaking to Greek people, they couldn't use Messiah. That wasn't a Greek idea. That was a Hebrew idea. So how do you share this idea of the fulfillment of everything promised, the great God who's bringing truth and life and freedom? Well, the greatest sense of attainment for the Greeks was logos. It was this idea of thought, of the word, of understanding. And so... They're making this connection to the Greek people they're talking about with the word. This is what John is making that connection. Jesus is the word. The word is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ that is seated in. See, Jesus is the word. He sows the gospel of truth of Jesus Christ. And what I think is amazing about this parable is it doesn't say, okay, here he sows the word. A sower went out, and here he sowed the word. And then here he sowed a neat tidbit. Here he sowed a life hack. Here he sowed a great meditation practice. Here he sowed all these things. It says he went out and he sowed what? The word. What did he sow over here? And what did he sow over here? Everywhere is the word. So that means that the result of the sowing, the result of the harvest, all the seed was the same, what was different? The condition of the heart. And here's what happens, Mark 4, 15. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. 4, 15 says, and these are the ones along the path. So the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. 
See, I could ask, uh, we could just stay in that kind of metaphor, you know, how's your soil? But it feels a little weird. That's why how's your heart makes sense. Because I hope you're making the connection that the soil that he's talking about is your heart. It's not your friend's heart. It's not your neighbor's heart. It's not your boss's heart. It's your heart. So the soil conditions are representative of heart conditions. And you can have a good heart condition or you can have a heart condition. And so he begins to speak and he says, these are the kind of hearts. And he introduces some three good or three, three difficult and one good. And he says this first one, the hard heart. And that's what we see in verse 15 where he says, the hard heart are the ones along the path where the word is sown. But when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. See, the hard heart is the road-worn heart. The hard heart is, is the path. And paths are the areas, like if you were to look at a farm, you would see the area where people walk because they're trampled on, they're stepped on, they're pressed down. And so after time, what do they become? They become hard places. The hard heart is the place where people have trampled and stepped on. See, some of us, you have a hard heart. But it's because in your life, people have trampled and stepped on you. Anyone like that? Where it's like there's this hardness and your heart has become hard because it has been trampled on for so long. And so after a while, it's like a stone path. It's like, nope, nothing's getting in here, right? Like, you know what, last time I, I, I you know, kind of broke up this ground. Last time it was soft ground. People just took advantage of that. People stepped on me. And after years of people walking on me and walking over me and taking advantage of me, you know what, this ground is just going to stay just like stone. I'm going to keep my armor up. You get to know those people. Now, this would be nobody here. You know, I'm going to look at the ground maybe when I say it. This would, you know, I don't, nobody sent me an email during the week. Like, why would you look at me when you said this? <laughs> maybe you know somebody and, like, you can't tell them nothing. Like, if it's not their idea, like, good luck. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, that's my brother. He's not here, so we can call him or, you know, I don't know, whoever it is for you. Uh, but it's like you can't tell them anything, right? If it is not their idea, that seed is not getting into their life. Like you have to like kind of go around it, convince them it's their idea, and then they come and text you like, hey, I just had this great idea. You know, I should do this. And you're like, wow, that is such a great idea. I wish someone had thought of that eight years ago, <laughs> you know. Of course, not any of us, none of us, definitely not me. But this is what happens in life is as people begin to, to, to step on us and to beat us down, we become hardened. Katie and I were... Uh, We've been in this adoption process. We get to meet our, our kid on Tuesday. We're really excited. And so, yeah, it's awesome. I have pictures if you want to see them. I can't legally post them anywhere yet, but you can come. I'll show you. Um, I don't know if I'm even supposed to have them, but I do, and you can see them. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But we've been doing all these, you know, for the past year and a half, all these uh, trauma-informed parenting classes. And we just did one Saturday. And the whole time I'm, like, taking notes. Katie's like, I'm learning so much for parenting. I'm like, I'm learning so much for pastoring. <laughs> like, you know. Because in our life, th this is the response, and they're telling us, like, here's kids, you know, what's going to happen is the kids have been so stepped on and beat down that they're going to respond to you, and they're going to respond to the truth you're trying to speak into their life with hardness or anger or frustration, or maybe they're going to lash out or they're going to do it, but it's not personal. Don't take it personal because it's a survival mechanism that has occurred. They had to become hard. They had to be compact. They had to have their armor on or else they would have just died because there would have been nothing. 
And some of you, this is your life. You had to put that armor on so that because of your family or the people around you, because of your situation or the weight of the world, you had to become a survivor or else you would have just become rubble. And so you got your armor on and you got, your, you got this hard path. But the hard part is that you can't see the harvest unless you open up to the seed of the word that's going to be planted in you. The truth of the gospel to transform you. But it's so difficult. And, and let, hear me say, this is so important. God is not mad at you for having a hard surface. The Holy Spirit is not like, ah, oh, man, I can't do anything with this. The Holy Spirit doesn't even blame you. He doesn't blame you. Because more than anything, he was there and he saw the, the life and the beating and the, and the thing that compacted it down and the hard surface. But more than anything, he desires to implant the truth of the gospel and the freedom of Jesus Christ in your life. He's saying, oh man, there's so much more than this. Would you just trust it? Because if we don't trust it, if, if that ground stays hard, what happens, what does it say? It says Satan comes and immediately snatches it away. It's like if I miss a spot of seed and I'm putting seed and it lands on the concrete, I'll tell you what, about four and a half seconds, a bird will fly down and snap. The birds are like the most savage creatures. And it will just, and it's gone. And that happens in our own life. See, what happens is because of our past and our experiences and because of the, the way that people have beat down on you and trampled over you, then someone comes and they try to sow word into your life. And they decide to try to sow truth into your life. But because you have this hard, compact exterior, you just reject that. And so it's pretty easy for the enemy to come in and be like, man, they don't care about you. Like, they don't, they don't believe in you. Like, this isn't true. Like, you don't have a calling of God on your life. And so what happens is that seed begins to get stolen. And then you look and everything's bare. And you go, yeah, that's right. There's nothing here. Right? We become isolationists. We have abandonment issues. Church, we are a people of trauma who have an attitude that's like, listen, I've only been abandoned, I've only been left alone, and so I'm just going to harden myself. And then what happens is then we isolate ourselves. We're like, no one's reaching out to me. It's like, man, we can't even get through your shell. And, and so we block people out. And then once we block people out and we go in our corner, we just say, see, I knew no one's looking for me. I knew, I knew no one's looking out for me. And we become more abandoned and more isolated. And we get in this cycle of abandonment and abandonment and rejection and fulfillment of our belief in abandonment. And we push things aside. And yet God is saying, listen, I'm a safe place. Hear me. One of our friends in these classes or one of the guys in the classes, she shared about they, uh, one of their daughters would come in. And every day, no matter what they said, she would scream at them, I hate you, I hate you. You're the worst. I hate you. I hate you. And every day, and they said there's like 200 times, I think they said they counted, they would just hold her in her arms and say, I love you. I'm here for you. No matter what you do, I will love you. Until this armor is off, until the hard ground is broken up, I'm here. I love you. I'm with you. No matter what you do, I will always be here for you. See, some of you this morning, Jesus is telling you that. I know you've had to be hard ground. I don't blame you. I see your life. I see what you've gone through. But listen, I love you. I'm here for you. And I will repeat it every day till the day you die that I want to get down into the soil. And I'm not using a tractor. I'm just using my hands and I'm breaking it up every single piece because I want to plant in the truth of freedom through Jesus Christ so that you could reap a harvest in your life. You weren't meant to be to be this ironclad armor of a person. You were meant to receive the truth of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I love you. I'm here for you. 
Let me get down and begin to work that soil, to begin to nourish that soil, to begin to implant truth and speak into your life, in your heart, to begin to stir it up. That sounds uncomfortable, but it's the only way. He says, let me get in there and begin to nourish the soil. How's your heart this morning? Does your heart need to be nourished? Is your heart hard ground? Is your heart tired of getting walked on? Is your heart tired of trusting people and having them just step all over you? And so he said, you know what, I'm just going to stay the path. I don't want to be the field. I just want to be the path. Are you willing to say, okay, God, here's my heart. Here's my heart. Nourish it. You still with me this morning? Second thing, here's what he says. The second kind of heart that we see is the rocky heart. I don't mean like Rocky Boboa. I mean like the like rocks. <laughs> I don't know why I need to clarify that. Y'all weren't thinking that at all, but it doesn't matter. Verse 16, Mark 4, verse 16 says this. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Okay, that's good. And they have no root in themselves. Okay, never mind. But endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. The rocky ground looks good on the surface, but underneath is shallow. It's like this nice little layer of topsoil, but underneath is just like rubble. Uh, it's interesting if you research kind of like global farming and the state that we're at as a earth, uh, one of our biggest problems is is that we totally deplete topsoil, and all that topsoil uh, goes away, and we just have rocky ground. And so our response is to just go get topsoil and put it on top of rocky ground and just continue the same way. Which is kind of like if I was like, hey, we need carpet here. And we're like, great. And so I'm like, we're just going to spread popcorn all over the floor to make this floor softer. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, but nobody open a door. Because as soon as a breeze comes in, all this is blowing out. That's essentially what's happening with the earth. Um, and so the idea is this, and it was the same thing is true then, is if you have a little bit of soil and the rest is rocky, everything looks fine. But as soon as the storm comes, nothing holds. See, how's your heart this morning? Because some of us, we look really good in the moment until like a good, decent breeze comes our way. And then we're like, why God? And he's like, because you don't got any roots. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Remember, I promised. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, the rocky hearted, it says the seed falls and find a place to root, but there's no foundation. In fact, if you have your Bibles and you look at that scripture, it says there's no root in themselves. See, many people, the root of our faith is in a family member. The root of our faith is in a significant other. The root of our faith is in a program or a pastor or a ministry or a conference or just like the root of our faith is in enthusiastic surroundings. Like your faith is renewed and so you've got to keep going to all these different things and keep finding the next hyped worship band or the next hyped sermon so that you can feel good and feel renewed. Are you with me? Charles Spurgeon has said this, it's awesome. He says, there are many more whose religion must be sustained by enthusiastic surroundings. They seem to have been baptized in boiling water. And unless the temperature around them is kept up to that point, they wither away. The religion that is born of mere excitement will die when the excitement is over. Now this is not a knock on excitement. 
I, I love to celebrate. Heaven is a celebration. Heaven is going to be exciting. If you like worship and you like excitement, heaven's going to be your jam. <laughs> this is not anti-excitement. It's not anti-conference. Some of our uh, women in our church went to a women's conference. It was so cool to see. And I think those are like some of the best times when you just get truth and renewal and it's so good. So I'm not, I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. What I'm saying is if your faith is only rooted in other people or other programs, it's not rooted in you and Jesus, then when those things go away, guess, guess what else goes away? Your faith. We used to see this in young people all the time. We'd have youth ministry, and I love youth ministry, but you'd have youth kids, and their only attachment to faith was their youth leader. Youth leader would make them come. The youth leader would make them, you know, uh, read their Bible, would make sure that they're doing okay. The youth leader was like their faith for them. So what happens is then when they graduated from high school, all of a sudden, they were like, I don't have enough faith. I feel so disconnected. And so we're like, okay, great, we'll start a young adults ministry for you. And then we started young adults, and some new young adult leader would be their faith. And then when they got kind of done with that young adult leader, then they were like, okay, now what I do, now I need like a, like a 40-year-old singles ministry on the East Valley for nighttime nurses. It just keeps getting like more specific. I need like more direct association for my needs so that someone can be my faith for me. But the reality, I love all those programs. Amen. One of our be- my favorite groups is our young professionals group. Amen. But they cannot be God for you. They cannot be identity for you. See, the reason you're on a roller coaster of up and down is because what happens is there's no depth with Christ and in your identity with him. And so you just emotionally will throw topsoil on at a presence night. And then Tuesday, or then Thursday, the rain comes and washes it away. So then you throw topsoil on on Sunday morning. But then Monday morning it all washes away because there's no depth or richness. Before you can walk in your destiny, you have to secure your identity. And your identity is a child of God. You have to secure it in Christ. Before you can, we're always about what we're doing and what's happening, what's this. Man, before you get there, you need to get here. How is your heart? Do you desire a depth with God, a richness with God. The people that I respect are the people who read through the word. The, the people who are like the seasoned saints of our church are the people that, man, they're praying and seeking God. There's a depth, and they go through hard times. Sometimes we think we're the only people who struggle, but they go through difficulty. Like one of my favorite people, Paula's here, and Paula is like the most like rich uh, person, like a spiritually rich person in our church. And she speaks with such authority that she would never come up on platform and, and do it. But it's because there is a richness. And then Paula would be the first to tell you there are struggles and trials in the life that she faces. But how does she walk through the difficulty? Because she loves the Lord and she spends her days with him. There's a depth and a richness. I'm sorry, Paula, if you didn't mean to do that. I love you. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite people. Because they go deep. There's a depth there. How's your heart this morning? Are you rooted in a program? Are you rooted in a person? Are you rooted in a place? Are you rooted in the next big thing, the next great opportunity? Or are you rooted in Jesus Christ who loves you? Because I feel like this morning Jesus is saying, man, this is a season where if you really want to grow something and stop being such a servant to the storm, you need to get rooted in my word. Okay, third thing, suffocated heart. Mark 4, 18. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. It says, Mark 4, 18 says, and others are the ones sown among thorns. 
There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. This is, this is the interesting one to me. Because this is the heart that says, yeah, God, you can be planted here, but so can everything else. You can take root here, but so can everything else I want. It's not exclusive. We don't have an exclusive agreement. And that sounds okay at the start, I think. But let me tell you, after time, that becomes suffocating. Because every plant starts small. But everything grows. And nothing grows like weeds. Nothing grows like thorns. You know, I was planting my garden. I kind of like just tossed out seed. And then I didn't kind of know because... Me, I didn't know what they looked like when they came up out of the ground. Because all plants, when they come out of the ground, kind of start looking the same, or at least very close. And so what happened is, like, there's weeds that come up in good soil at the same time your plants come up. And you got to let them come up a certain amount before you rip them out. Um, that's a whole leadership idea I'll give you later. But, the, but all plants kind of start coming out the same, and it's fine. But the reality is, if you allow them to come up too much, the weeds and the good plants, they'll begin to choke the other plants. Like, not literally wrap around them. I think we get that idea. To choke means that they will take, there's only so much nutrients in soil. And so what it'll do is it'll take the nutrients, the health of the soil or the heart, and it will begin to suck out more so that the thing that's supposed to grow there can't grow. This is important. That all happens under the surface. In fact, you can even break the top of a weed off and it'll still happen. You got to dig down into that weed and get that root and have it released from the soil. If the soil doesn't release it, good luck. You have to release it from the soil and pull it up or else what it will do is eventually it will starve the seed that was planted. See, so many of us, we have good intentions and we're, we're very gracious but we allow too many things to be planted in our heart, and we allow too many people to plant their truth in our heart. And instead, we need the truth of the gospel to be planted in our heart, and we need to weed out the other things, or else what will happen is it will begin to starve the things in our life that are really invaluable, the truth of Jesus Christ. And it won't starve it on the surface. It will starve it in here. How's your heart? How's your heart? The thing I think about weeds and thorns is, isn't it amazing how you'll, like, have a weed and you'll go out to your car and be like, I need to pull that weed. And then, like, you'll come home and it'll be, like, eight feet tall. It's like, what happened? <laughs> Did it rain? Like, what, what is occurring? Because that's because weeds will grow faster than you ever want or ever expect. And in our heart, the same thing can be true. We've allowed things to take root. And because we're like, man, I really don't want to rip that up. I don't want to disturb. I don't want to disturb the soil. I don't want to disturb the soil. We'll allow it to grow to a point where now if I rip it up, I'm ripping everything up. And it's just out of control. Have you ever been there in your heart when all of a sudden you kind of like turn inward for a second and have this like moment of clarity like, oh, man, there's a ton of weeds in my heart. I have let things take root in here that I shouldn't have let take root. Anyone ever been there? I have. 
And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh. It's like, what do I, where do I even start? And that's the amazing thing is we don't serve a God who is like the God of Roundup. Don't use that stuff. It causes cancer. We're not the God of Roundup. He's the God of individual care and pulling that weed. But a gardener can only pull the weed that the soil will let go of the root on. You've got to let those things go. You have to release them. You have to say, God, I need you to come in and begin to pull these things out of my heart and to purify my heart. How is your heart? Is it full of weeds or do you feel like it's pure? Can you breathe or are you suffocated? Do you go to bed at night feeling suffocated, wake up in the middle of the night feeling suffocated, and wake up in the morning wondering why you didn't get any rest? It's because our hearts have been given over and Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm not coming in to burn the whole garden. I'm coming in here just to pull those weeds out and begin to minister and love on them. What's amazing in our garden, as we pulled the weeds out, all of a sudden we had this huge harvest. Of, it was arugula. We're bringing in like bags and bags and bags and bags. Because your soil's good, you've just given it to too many of the wrong things. You've given it to a guy that you should not have let root in your soil. You've given it to an opportunity or an addiction or a screen that you shouldn't have given it and now it's got a root and Jesus is saying how's your heart because I created you to be blessed and be blessed in the kingdom but you got to uproot those things how's your heart this morning this ground this soil is made for the kingdom of God God has come and begin to sow the seed, the truth of the gospel, and some will receive and some will reject and some will receive it for a moment, but the truth will wash away because it's just too hard with everything else going on in life, or maybe we just won't receive it or accept it, or maybe we're just too willing to let too many things in, but God is saying, how is your heart? How is your heart? Because more than anything, God desires for us to have the good heart. I'm going to invite our band up this morning. Mark 4.20 is the last portion we're going to read together. It says this. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Good soil accepts the seed, allows it to take root, and bears fruit. That's its process. That's why we don't just have the gifts of the Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit has taken root in your life, it should bear fruit. See, you can function in the gifts of the Spirit, but you cannot live. You will starve without the fruit of the Spirit spiritually. See, the seed is good. The Word is good. Do you know it's not called the good news because they couldn't think of a better name? It's called the good news because the truth that Jesus Christ is good. Because the gospel is good. Because it's freedom for a sinner like me who is separated from a loving God because of my choice and my sin. And yet God stepped into time. Jesus Christ went to the cross, died for me, bore my sin and shame, rose again on the third day, brought me eternal life, and then ascended into heaven and promised the Holy Spirit so that I might not only have freedom but power in a new life in Jesus Christ. It's good news. The seed is good. But the seed only brings an abundant harvest when it falls into good soil. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is planted into good soil, something changes. Something changes. Man, if you're new to serving Christ, you know that feeling of when everything changes. If you haven't 
Remember that for a while. Remember again. Everything changes, and it should. Because a seed planted in good soil will bring fruit. So if there's no fruit, we can't question the seed because the seed is good. We need to question the soil. How's your heart? It says this tiny seed bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. We're like, okay, 100-fold what? Okay, well, in Palestine, when you planted a seed, if it brought a 10-fold, 10 times, you know, return on the one thing that's planted, that was considered, like, miraculous. Tenfold. It was, that was amazing. So Jesus here says 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Like, that means that 30, if, if 10 is just amazing and, and just like, oh, my gosh, 30-fold is completely ludicrous, 60-fold is insane. And a hundredfold is only God can do this, right? Some of you, it is time for an only God can do this year. Some of you, it's time for an only God can do this life. For some of you, it is time to see the fruit in the kingdom of God like never before. And only, a life only explainable by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have enough churches that are explainable by the power of the almighty dollar. And we need more churches that are only explainable by the power of the almighty God. And we're at the point in our life where we say, if we're not seeing a hundredfold, then how's your heart? Because we're in a season now, some things take longer to grow. So don't beat yourself up. If your heart's there and the seed's planted, I don't want you to go home and be like, I'm terrible, I'm not seeing everything. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying our job is not the seed. Our job is our heart. The next three um, parables that go in order, and I don't have time to read them, but the next three, and you can go home and read them, is a lamp under a basket, a seed growing in a mustard seed. Jesus says three things. He says, listen, if you are good soil, you will receive the truth of Jesus Christ, and it will change everything, and guess what people are going to notice? Hundredfold. It's time for a hundredfold season. It's time for an only by God season in your life. He says, the, the second one is a seed growing. He says, the sower sows it and doesn't know what's happening under the ground. See, you don't know what's happening. You don't know the time frame. Your job is the soil. And the third one is the mustard seed. He says, even if that seed is tiny, even if it's a little bit of faith, even if it's the tiniest bit of faith, it can move mountains. Because this is an only by God year. This is an only by God church. This is an only by the Holy Spirit life. It's time for a hundredfold. It's time for good soil to take that seed that has been planted to dig roots and bring about miracles in this city and miracles in our life and miracles in this nation and revival in the world. It's time for a hundredfold, but it starts with the heart. How's your heart? How's your heart? Are you hard-hearted because of getting beat down for the world? It's time to invite God and say, God, soften my heart. Are you rocky-hearted? Nothing can really root in or secure. You're just chasing one thing or running from another. It's time to get roots in the Lord. How's your heart? Are you suffocating in your heart? You go to bed. Anxious, you wake up anxious because of the things that you have allowed in that have begun to suffocate the dreams and the hope and the promise that God's put in your life. Listen, it's time to just surrender it all to him and let him begin to remove and purify and nurture and condition your heart to make you soft-hearted again. 
Do you want to have the good soil heart? John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus came, that they may have a life and have it abundantly. Listen, it's time to take back your heart for Jesus and say, Jesus, wherever my heart is, I'm asking, how's my heart? And I'm realizing it's not that good soil, that good place for that seed to rest. And so I'm just saying, Jesus, take my heart. Make me new because I want to see a hundredfold, a hundredfold harvest in the kingdom of God in my life. Regardless of my status, regardless of my wealth, regardless of my background, regardless of my situation, regardless of what the world said, regardless of my mistakes, regardless of what people think of me. Guess what? I don't care what people think of me. My heart is what matters. My heart is what is true. And my heart is pursuing after Jesus. I trust in him to bring about a hundredfold in the kingdom of God, a life that is only explainable by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're ready for that this morning, then this is your morning. And if you're not, that's okay. As a preacher, I've understood the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Some of you, your heart is like wax this morning, and it's being softened by the Word of God. And some of you, it's like clay. Let me know. Both of you are welcomed here every day till the day you die. But let me tell you, you will only see the hundredfold blessing in your life when your heart is like the good soil and allows the seed of the truth of the gospel to take root in it. It's time. It's time for the hundredfold life in the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me this morning? With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, I want you just to ask this question. We're going to take just 30 seconds while the band plays, and I want you to ask a question of yourself. This is for you. This is not, you're not thinking of somebody else. This is just you and Jesus. I just want you to ask for a second. How is my heart? How is my heart? Am I hard-hearted? Am I shallow-hearted? Is my heart suffocating? Or am I good, rich soil? The great thing is we're told there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. This is not a question to ask to condemn yourself, but to free yourself and align yourself with God and the promise. How's my heart? How's my heart? How's my heart? I want to pray two things while we're in this moment with our eyes closed and our head bowed. One, and most importantly, every week we pray that if you've never given your life to Jesus and said yes to him, we give that moment to say, man, I don't even know what to do with my heart because it's still mine, but I need to give it to Jesus. I need to say yes to Jesus this morning. We want to pray that over you and walk that journey with you. So this morning, you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, here is my heart. I give it to you. God, I don't know every answer, but I surrender my life to you. I need you, Jesus. I need you to do a miracle in my life. I need you to make me new and make my heart new this morning. If that's you in this place, saying, Jesus, I give you my heart. I just want to invite you. Would you just lift your hand and put it down? Thank you. I want to pray for you and then 
After service, I really want to encourage you. Megan and Patrick will be in the back. And we want to walk that journey and really resource you and encourage you. And so after service, if you're one of those people that just raised their hand, I want you to just head to the back. And, and they, they'll just encourage you for a second and give you some great resources. But I want to pray with you this morning. Jesus, I thank you for those that made the commitment to choose to follow you with their life and say, Jesus, here is my heart fully. Jesus, I, I don't know everything that's happening under the surface of my life, but I choose today to say, I give you my heart and I say yes to you. And we know this journey is many yeses, but I say yes to you and I give it to you completely. I give it to you completely. Jesus' holy name. Second thing this morning, you know Jesus, but looking at the state of your heart, you're like, you know what? Man, I need God to soften my heart. I need to God to prepare my heart to, to break up those places, to, to nourish it. I, man, I want to have that kind of heart where the seed of the truth of, God, of the gospel of Jesus is planted in and does not get stolen away, does not get washed away, does not get taken, does not get choked away. But I, I want that to root in my life. I desire to see a harvest in the kingdom of God in my life. If that's you this morning, we want to pray all together. So if you're in the room and you're saying, you know what, this morning, Jesus, would you just make my heart that good and soft soil prepared for your word to reign and your harvest to come to complete fruition in my life. Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray with you this morning. If you're saying, Jesus, give me a soft heart this morning. Give me a new heart this morning. And just raise them up like you're in a receiving posture. I want to pray with you this morning. Jesus, give us a new heart. Jesus, I pray this morning over every person. God, I pray right now, every person that's saying, God, I desire a new and fresh heart, God. There's things in my life that maybe I've allowed to take root. There's places in my life where I've not gone deep, or maybe there's just a hardness in my spirit. And so, God, wherever we are at, we are so thankful for you and that you come in with your love and you begin to nourish our heart and you begin to care for our heart. So I pray right now this morning, give every person just a deeper revelation of your great love for them. Give them a deeper revelation of how deeply you care for them and begin to nourish their heart. We're told if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So we pray, give us a new heart, a fresh heart where your word can take root and where we will see a 30, a 60, and a hundredfold return and a blessing in the kingdom of God. God, use us. Use our heart. Bring about the fruit. Bring about the promise. Bring about the harvest. In Jesus' name, we don't want anything but you, Jesus. And we worship you. And we say nothing else but Jesus. Our heart is yours fully and completely in Jesus' name.